This is The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. The Soul's Intent is a show that boldly claims that it can help reveal where you are on the spiritual path. Learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom. Listen, and in an instant, learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice. This is The Soul's Intent, and now here's your host, Ernie Vecchio. And so today we're talking about spirituality and definitions matter, right, Irma? Yeah, yeah, what a wonderful topic. And, and definitions definitely matter, especially in the area of um, spirituality, because there's so much confusion, I think, in that area. And I love what you um, wrote on the event for this, this live streaming. And part of that was a pure description of spirituality that offers integrity in an otherwise blurry dimension of the, of the uh, human experience. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I thought that was just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do you want to, uh, I, I sent you the definition of spirituality. Do you want to read that to the listeners so they can hear it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The pursuit and understanding of the animating force, soul, that through its physical connection to time moves energy, negative, and a um, light, liveliness positive around to orchestrate a deliberate and responsive feeling state embodiment and presence which ultimately gives meaning to a human life yeah yeah and so the reason that i went to to such lengths to define that is is that um when i was working in the trauma hospital and as i've told people before that have been following my work that um I was working with every religion on the planet uh, one time or another, and many of the people that were coming in to the hospital, of course, were in spiritual crisis because of trauma. And uh, so, and each of them had their definition of it, and it typically was a religious way to describe spirituality. So the way I'm defining it and the way that that feels true and valid is that it um, it is this relationship with the soul that is animating us, which are, so in other words, our life force comes from that soul, is it moves feelings and emotions around for us to get clarity about what it means to be here. Mm-hmm. And so and so the, the underlying idea is, is that we are spiritual beings kind of uh, trapped in a psychological experience. And that and that doesn't exist anywhere in, in, in what I would call the mainstream spiritual uh, teachings. Mm-hmm. And so, but look how beautiful that is. It really superimposes on top of everybody's idea of it mm-hmm. uh, because it doesn't, it doesn't uh, step on anybody's beliefs and it doesn't really contaminate any of that. And it also encompasses uh, typically what's being taught in the spiritual community, which is this business of the importance of presence. Mm-hmm. And so the idea here is, of course, is that you're already present just by the very fact that you are embodied by this animating force that is your soul. So then what's preventing you from being present, right? And, uh, and of course the answer is that we're in our heads, not in our bodies as we do our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and if the ego had a, had a place where it resides, it tends to, to reside in the brain or in the head. And so, so the idea is, is we, get on a spiritual path or as we understand a psycho-spiritual kind of idea of who we are, then then part of what we have to deal with is um, 
resolving the psychology of who we are so that we can then, which is really heal that division or that divided self so that we can then recover or remember that we came into this existence automatically a spiritual being. And uh, I like to call it the invisible something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, uh, that be, be, because that's what I saw in the hospital is I saw so many people uh, that are literally kind of in this place of, uh, of adversity and kind of stuck in a right and a wrong way to go through it. And, uh, and that's the victim mindset. And welcome, William. Yeah. He says, are human beings trapped in a psychological experience? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's really, you know, it, it's important because it's kind of like the chicken and the egg question. You know, we asked and, and science, I think, last year finally answered the question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And they said the chicken came first because all of the ingredients that make up the shell of an egg have got to take place inside the chicken. Uh, what we don't have an answer for is where the chicken came from. So where was the original egg? Well, that's that's life. That's that's kind of a God question. Right. But, yeah. So the idea is, is that in in the in this in the human experience, which came first uh, is the soul. We know that now that uh, that we are a soul that is kind of um, which inhabits this body and, and exists in this body and is the animated force in this body comes long before ego. Ego doesn't happen until we hit uh, like two and a half, three years of age and we take on language, which then the next step is to take on personality dynamics, which is the adapting to the world around us kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Something that came up uh, for me in in uh, reading your description for the event was um, what spirituality means to me based on what you wrote um, would be a clear and true state of being whole and undivided. And when I jotted that down for myself, I thought, well, um, it's one thing to understand the definition of, of spirituality as, as you've defined it. It's kind of another thing to um, be able to uh, live consistently within that within that definition. And um, as I think I've heard you say before, and, and I may not be putting this correctly, but how can we even reach that spiritual way of living without healing the divided self first? Can yeah. We? Yeah. Well, and in and, and my estimation, you 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 can't. Now, certainly the, the, there are people that will disagree with me on that. Uh, and that's part of what's happening in the mainstream is, is that they're they're kind of pitching and selling the idea that you can kind of go around your story, go around the psychology of who you are to get right. to a higher state of consciousness or to a higher state of enlightenment or or uh, if you're religious to a divine connection. Uh, and that's not been what I have witnessed in my 30 plus years of doing this. And that certainly isn't what I've witnessed in people that are in despairing places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so no, the idea is, is that we all get divided in this experience, either by guilt or shame. And, uh, and we have to heal that division. And if we don't, then we're not going to be able to remember or recover. You know, you've asked me this before. Lots of people ask me all the time, well, how do I do this? Or how do I do that? Is if there's like three easy steps and what I like to say to people is, is that if you found out that the earth was flat, or I'm sorry, if you believe the earth was flat, and then somebody told you, well, you know what, the earth is round, you can still hang on to the belief that it's flat if you never go out and do, a, do some kind of a reality test 
to see if, in fact, it is not flat. And the reality test, of course, would be to drive in one direction for hours and hours and see if you fall off the edge. (laughs) (laughs) And if you don't, then the earth must be round, right? So So it ends up becoming a shift in perspective. And then when you make a shift in perspective, it's kind of like an absolute, right? If, if, it's, if it's absolute that we are spiritual beings first before we ever become psychological beings, then we have to, we have to accept that absolute. And, uh, and this, is the, this is part of the problem is, is that um, we're selling the idea that there's three easy steps to be embodied when we're already embodied. There's three easy steps to, um, to have a soul when we already have a soul when we already have the capacity for presence and we have the capacity to be the best version of ourselves. And, and, and so, so what is the, what is the spiritual goal uh, based upon the way I've defined it today? Well, the spiritual goal is that every human being is trapped in this psychological existence until they remember that their, their origin. And so it's to free yourself up so you can then be the full total expression of what the soul would be and 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 of course all we have to 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 describe these things typically is metaphor but imagine that you came into this existence on a musical note and that musical note is your soul's expression and let's say you came in uh you know uh, a c minor and but because of the family and culture you were born into, you're a, you end up being a B flat. And so you, and so you can never find the C minor that you originally came in as. Right. And so that's a little bit of what happens, I think, in this business of losing uh, uh, the soul's station in our lives. And, and also, believe it or not, there's still people that believe that the soul is made up or that the soul isn't real. And uh, I like the fact that science now calls it non-local intelligence. So if you don't like the word soul because it it treads on your religious beliefs, then can you accept non-local intelligence, which means that you have uh, intelligence inside you that is directly connected to your heart that is zeroed in on what is true and false? Or are you kind of stuck in the brain, which is... Well, what's right and what's wrong. Mm -hmm. And that really is what happens. And of course, the, you know, the right and wrong uh, paradox is, is morality and the true or false is the ethic. Mm -hmm. So what's happened, at least in my life experience, is I've witnessed the culture go, uh, the pendulum kind of go back and forth from morality to ethic and now back to morality. And, and as a result of that, time period, and it's probably been 25 or 30 years, we've kind of lost the context for the ethic. And, uh, and of course, this is what I'm teaching with, with the soul's intent. Is this that? Yeah. 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 I was thinking today too, in, in regards to the topic tonight, um, how complicated sometimes we can make things, something, um, like spirituality, because to me, um, the less complicated it is, the more I'm actually living a spiritual life when I kind of release the complications. Um, and I think a big part of that is for me, there's a really big difference between 
thinking my way into my life and experiencing life than being in the actual feeling experience of it. And the feeling experience of life to me is what spirituality is because there is a, um, a pureness and an integrity with yeah. that. Yeah. It's kind of getting out of that, the, the thinking, getting out of the head and, and also the communication that happens between the present day ego and the heart and the soul and the, and the communication that, that takes place. That, that's a big part as well. I think well, it's important. It's important to, and I say this almost every time we do one of these recordings, but it's, but I, but sometimes you need to repeat these things for people to get it. I'm going to say what you just said in a different way. We come, we come into the world a feeling entity, a feeling being, which is directly connected to our heart. And then because of the psychological adaptation, we become emotional beings. And so a lot of people don't realize where emotions come from. Emotions are the, the end result of a feeling plus a thought forms an emotion. Mm -hmm. The problem with thinking is if you think something long enough and you don't ever challenge it or don't ever question it, that thought then becomes a belief. And so, so listen to the language. A feeling connected to a belief causes an emotion. So now all you are is at the mercy of whatever triggers that. So imagine that inside of us we have like a, a play and a rewind button. And every day when we get up, get up in the morning, uh, many of us don't start the day brand new and stay in that brand new place. And, and as Eckhart Tolle says, you know, continue to just accumulate more nows, now after now, moment after moment, which are all brand new moments. Instead, what we tend to do is get up and hit the rewind button and start there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so we don't so so we're not in the moment. And then so all it takes if we are emoting our way through our lives, you said thinking, emoting and thought are kind of the same animal. Uh, then we're at the mercy of those emotions. And, and we already know what the culture is doing with that. I mean, mm -hmm. we have all kind of addictions that are tied to it. We have a lots of uh, patterns of behavior that are tied to it. Uh, personality disorder, which is which I believe everybody in the culture has one is tied to it because what is a disordered personality? Well, it's, it's a mal it's a maladaption uh, to your subjective experience. And what are we calling consciousness now? Consciousness is that there's a subjective experience to be you and me. So what makes us higher states of consciousness is how clear we are about that subjective experience. Well, if we're caught in our emotions, uh, we're too, we're being so subjective uh, that our that our that our subjective experience is distorted. You see, mm -hmm. so you you got to be present with your subjective experience. You can't bring all that maladaption and all that subjectivity that you've got accumulated internally, and bring that into the picture at the same time. Because then it then it contaminates the context of your life in this moment. You see, if that mm -hmm. makes if that makes any sense, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm curious how you would. Um, answer this or, or respond to this. So if, if we're able to um, get present in, in our ego state, become present um, and be in a place of pureness and integrity and feeling and knowing and be in that spiritual um, place in our lives, if we're able to do that, 
how do we um, consistently live in that while also relating to other people that may not be living in that? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good question because, the again, the myth is that you're going to arrive in some magical place and, and pitch a tent and live there. The truth of the matter is that uh, that you're constantly building bridges between the world of ego and the world of soul and spirit, and it's and it's that construction of that bridge that allows us to move back and forth between those two dimensions. And uh, most of us don't have a bridge. You see, we have an either or approach when technically it's both and. Mm-hmm. What that means is is that you don't you don't construct a bridge and then pick a side and say, I'm going to live on this side of the bridge because the bridge is really the doorway to move in between those dimensions. It's impossible to be in a world of ego and not have to bump into other egos. And so I say all the time, you know, souls merge, egos act out. Egos bump into one another. They don't merge. Mm-hmm. Know that because they're competitive. They're 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 trying to win a position. They're trying to be uh, to, who's the most powerful in a conversation, whatever. There's no communication taking place between egos mm-hmm. uh, because because remember that's up here, and from the ego's perspective, uh, it's right and you're wrong, and from your ego's perspective, you're right and I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Somewhere between those two extremes lies the truth, and that's where the heart is. Mm-hmm. So if the heart's not in that equation, then you're in trouble, you see. So it's that's why I make the distinction between a feeling being a reaction to the present moment and an emotion being a reenactment. Mm-hmm. Vu. Mm-hmm. And that's how patterns of thought and emotion kind of become, uh, kind of take us over. It's those patterns of emotion and thinking that we get kind of stuck in. And then we try to medicate it through sex, drugs, and rock and roll, whatever we use to medicate it. Uh, if we don't understand that we are more than just a reenacting kind of animal, we can react to the present moment, but the reaction has to come from a feeling that's coming from the from this internal compass that is the heart. It can't be a it can't be a brain function where we're sitting there uh, reenacting. And so, it's curious to me that we you know it's only what eight ten inches apart you know the heart and the brain. But we give so much station to our intellect and so much station to our defense mechanisms that are tied to that intellect uh, that we don't understand what we're even defending. Mm-hmm. And typically it's our choices. Mm-hmm. You know, once we make a choice, good, bad or indifferent, the ego then has to defend the choice. Huh. And, uh, and, and it won't let go, you see. It won't let go until you because it doesn't. It's not in that dimension of true or false. It's in that dimension of right or wrong, you yeah. see. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so 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 a spiritual existence, as you said a minute ago, is uh, is making the the choice to be a feeling animal, uh, which is a, which is an individual that is reacting to the present moment and keeping your daily interactions as much as possible in that reactionary place, uh, and 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 is a place of of truth, which is totally different. My phone just went off for some reason. (laughs) I have no idea what that is. Yeah. But anyway, did that make sense? What I just said? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering that that bridge um, could another way of looking at that be a bridge from spiritual um, into psychological. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it really is. I mean, it, it, when I say the dimension of ego, that's what I mean. It is psychological. There's nothing psychological uh, about the spiritual dimension because the spiritual dimension doesn't have ego in it. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, so like I've said before, the, you know, the soul and spirit of, of who we are or the soul and spirit of anything is all there is of it. Uh, uh-huh. but one of the, the uh, stories I like to tell uh, when we when we talk about the soul and spirit is, is that uh, years and years ago, one of the first cases I ever had was a Vietnam veteran who um, was paralyzed from the waist down. And I was a young therapist at this time. And uh, and I, you know, I was still learning my my craft, if you will. And. I remember feeling like that this person was sitting across from me was Humpty Dumpty and he was just this cracked shell and the contents of that of that shell was laying on the floor in front of me in kind of like a puddle. He was depressed. He was suicidal. He didn't want to live. Uh, he was an enormous amount of physical pain. He was addicted to Percocets and Lortab and morphine. And he was a sweetheart of a guy. And we were the same age. We were the same age at the time. And so it, so it really struck me. And it took me almost 10 to 15 years to figure out that I wasn't supposed to put the shell back together, which is typically what we do in mainstream psychology and mainstream mental health is we try to prop people up and give them coping skills and kind of paste the shell back together, which is the ego. That's, that shell represents the personality and the ego. What I was supposed to do, and it took me a long time to learn how, is to take the contents of that egg, which is the soul and spirit of that individual, and help him pour it into another container, which was a present day version of himself that was paralyzed and that was here in this moment, et cetera, et cetera. So, so this business of soul and spirit is a big deal. It's a big deal to understand when you consider that we we're all inside those shells and yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of like a little bird that's kind of pecking, you know, pecking through to get free. Well, that's what the soul was doing. If you want to know what the human spirit is doing, it's pecking on that shell. It's provoking that shell. It's trying to crack that shell so that you will get present with your life and present with your circumstances. Um, and when you crack the shell, the natural thing to do is to create another shell. But 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 it's larger and you've got more space and you've got more freedom in this new shell, you see. And developmentally, we're doing that about four times in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And that's if you have no trauma Nothing that really takes you off at the knees, as I say all the time. If you don't have any severe trauma, then developmentally, that's that's a four container kind of process. Um, most of us never get there, you see. And that's really what drove me to want to do this work and drove me to want to bring this to the public is, is that um, we shouldn't have to lose our legs and our spinal cords to to chip at that shell that is literally what is encasing the soul and the spirit of who we are mm-hmm. because that shell is essentially the false self mm-hmm. and, it, and it is the adapted self. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody has got maladaptions. Nobody gets into this existence that doesn't have bumps and bruises and doesn't have some experience where they, uh, they adapted in a way that it wasn't particularly in their best interest. Mm-hmm. They've, they've made mistakes. They've made bad choices. And the soul doesn't care about any of that. You see, what the soul wants you to do is not run from adversity or run from the collapsing of the shell. The soul wants you to embrace it because it knows that if you do, it gets more here. It gets to be more present. Mm -hmm. Collapsing Mm -hmm. of this fake idea of who you think you are. Yeah.
Yeah, yeah. Huh. So I was thinking as you were saying that, um, and and there's so many things I love about your your teachings and and what you want to bring to the public. But I was thinking. Um, one of the things I love most is that your teachings are based on a psycho psycho spiritual understanding. And so I was thinking I was putting myself in the shoes of, of what you were just saying, your your client and, and looking at it as, as Humpty Dumpty and everything you just said, that um, most psychologists or most um, experiences in therapy, a psychologist or a therapist is trying to get that person to cope and fit back in to a society that's based on a psychological existence. Yes, yes, so what's yes. wonderful about what you're bringing is a psycho-spiritual understanding because um, that that brings a, a, a whole picture of things. You can't mm -hmm. just have the psychological or just the spiritual. Um, even though the spiritual is pure and of integrity, it's been kind of um, painted by mm -hmm. the um, conditioned self. And that's the, the beauty of these teachings. Yeah, if you if you look at the leading uh, uh, kinds of, of treatment in, in mental health, it's cognitive behavioral uh, therapy or cognitive affective therapy. Keyword there being cognitive. Mm -hmm. And so in other words, you know, we're still in 2017. Uh, I forget who wrote the book. It might have been Wayne Dyer. You know, how you think is how you feel. Right. Hmm. And so we're so we're still we're still in this idea that if I can rearrange my thinking, I'll get to a happy place. If I can rearrange my thoughts, then I'll get to a healthier place. Uh -huh. And the, the matter is the ego is laughing. The shadow side of the human condition is laughing at you on that because that is not valid. Yes, you can rethink your your life and rethink your circumstances and you can cognitively break patterns. Uh, but the soul and spirit of who you are is no freer for that. Mm -hmm. And so it'll just be a matter of time before life starts feeling constrictive again. It'll be a matter of time when you'll feel like something's missing, but you can't put your finger on what it is. And it will be you. You're missing because you took on uh, another adaptation, you see. And so the, 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 the soul of who we are ha has one intention. It's to be free. And to be in that dimension of love and truth, uh, which is not information, it's a place. Yeah. So it and what and why does it want to be there? So it can express mm -hmm. itself without any interference of what that expression is. That's that that's that line of tree trees, of flower flowers, and Irma Irmas. There's no right or wrong way to do that, right? Well, you know, we say these wonderful uh, things. But we don't understand that it's a process of understanding. It's a context that I think is kind of blurry in our culture, which is why I'm, I'm going to great lengths to define these terms in ways that are universal. Uh, the, the, the way that you read spirituality today that, uh, that I sent you on the definition, um, that is a pure definition that superimposes on every spiritual teaching on the planet. It doesn't impose and nor is it in opposition to it. But we need a universal way to describe the soul and spirit of who we are as it merges with the psychology of who we are. Right. Because otherwise, if we don't, then we just stay in the religious dimension with the soul and spirit. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, and the unfortunate part about that is, is that that's okay until life throws you a curve. That's mm-hmm. okay until you lose your spinal cord or you get your legs cut off. So mm-hmm. other words, that's fine uh, until you get hit with suffering, yeah. real human suffering. And, uh, or I should say real human victimization. Mm-hmm. Because they're two different animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's another term you see. We, we've kind of confused in the spiritual movement, what is suffering? Well, we, we describe it in the spiritual community as if it's victimization, like the two words are interchangeable, and they're not. Yeah, yeah. Interchangeable at all, no. And uh, just like morals and ethics are not interchangeable. Mm-hmm. And just like guilt and shame are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. The, the precision of which I'm defining these terms is... Like I said on the on the show title today, definitions matter. Yeah. Language matters because these are the very things that help us form a context yeah. to live our lives and describe our lives. And so to not have it be as precise as it can possibly be, uh, then we're leaving ourselves open for it to be blurry and confusing. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's something I just thought of when you were saying that about the the importance of of definition and being precise, and that it's um, to create context. It it's it's also that context um, gives us our intent. I mean, it really kind of um, focuses in and gives us a very clear intent. Um, and a clear way to, to live our lives based on what's authentic and true in us versus um, what we've been um, conditioned and, and how we have kind of um, uh, not, we haven't been giving the soul station in, in our lives. And well, I love when you put yeah, that. And, and I appreciate you putting it that way because when you, when you said that, you know, the name of the show uh, of the show is the soul's intent. It's not the ego's intent. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what What do you think the ego's intent would be if we had a show called the ego's intent? What do you think it would be? Oh gosh, I don't know. It's really simple to defend itself. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. That's true. To survive, to survive, yeah. defend itself, to be right, <laughs> um, to win, to be more powerful. Um, and so the ego's intent is all of those kind of things, and uh, and that's the and that's part of the problem. You see, is is that that's all in this idea of there's a right and a wrong way to be. The ego's intent is there's a right and a wrong way to be. Uh, uh, mm. So pick a side. There is no middle path. You see. Uh, uh, so why, which, which, why we say in the culture that the that uh, that it's in the eye of the beholder, right? I'm going to change the sun out of my face because I know that's right on me. Move it up a little bit. The sun came out. It's not raining like it was before. So is that better? Yes. So the ego's intent would be um, one of judgment. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Huh. So where then does present day ego come into play? Because... We have to have ego in order to, you know, navigate our way through the external world. So, present day ego wouldn't necessarily be in a place of judgment. No, present day ego is healed. There's no division. Yeah, it's it's no longer divided. 
And so since it's no longer divided, it's no longer defended. It goes back to doing what it's supposed to do, which which is just to adapt. And and I guess the word that I like is, is to improvise. If, if the ego has one wonderful skill, it's improvisation. We give it no credit for that. And that's really what, what, what the adaptation is. It's just a series of improvisations. You see, it becomes a problem if we think the improvisation is the truth or it becomes a problem if we think the improvisation is the end all to everything that we're in, you see. So, yeah. yeah, so, So there's a, there, that's why I didn't call this show the ego's intent yeah. uh, because there's no depth in that. There's no healing in that. Yeah. Wow. I still feel like the sun is on my face. I'm trying to fix that there. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I can fix it a hundred percent. No, not with the umbrella. I've got the umbrella above me, but it's blowing in the wind and the sun is right. It's moving. <laughs> so I'm trying to get, into the camera because so, I know that the sun is uh, is interfering with the recording a little bit. But anyway, lights up my beard. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Wow, so, yeah. That, that really clarified a lot. Which part the, of it? Well, the present, that the present day ego isn't divided. So, yeah. Very it's, simple. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, when you think about that, all of the, all of the work that we, uh, or all of the angst, I should say, of the human spirit is to provoke the ego awake. And that provocation in the volatility of that provocation uh, is kind of kind of equal to what formed the ego. So in other words, if you went through a lot of trauma, you've got the you've, you've got the break. Well, let me rephrase. Let me for, for those folks who haven't heard me say this before, you've got the, the faded break, which is cutting away from the source. Then you have, with the onset of language, um, the divide itself. Well, the faded break is the same for everybody. We all get cut away from the creator and spend the rest of our lives trying to get back to some understanding of what that is. The divide itself is, is unique to everybody's story, you see. And it's also unique to the volatility of that story. If you had a lot of trauma in that division, then the angst of the human spirit is that much more volatile which means it's that much more powerful mm-hmm. uh, and it's in, in, and in a more accurate word may be much more emotional. Yeah. Much, much more emotional mm-hmm. because of the, of the wounding to the ego itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that, that angst that we have that, that, that occurs in that division is unique to everybody's individual story. Uh, but we all have the angst. Mm-hmm. The only thing that changes in the story is how severe, how volatile it was. But mm-hmm. we still have to heal the division. Mm-hmm. And you and I have talked about uh, guilt and shame. Uh, you know, guilt has been your demon. Shame was my demon. Uh, and so we're so we both kind of came at this at this from two different angles, healing two different things that mm-hmm. are unique uh, perspectives of the world. Guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh so guilt guilt tends to be a little bit more subtle, and it's uh, and it's divided uh, kind of experience, but it can also be severe. Uh, but shame absolutely is almost always severe because it's dealing with uh, self loathing and self hatred. 
Mm-hmm. Guilt is kind of built upon the idea that there's a right and a wrong way to be, and we're making mistakes. And if we don't, and we got to stop making mistakes to not be guilty. And people are pointing out our mistakes, and we can't ever seem to do anything right. And this is guilt. Uh, shame is you are a mistake, and no matter what you do, you're still going to go to your grave a mistake. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so shame's a much deeper, deeper wound. In fact, I think. You know, I, I can't prove this, of course, you know, since shame is my demon, but I think that shame leaves kind of an indentation on the surface of the soul. And uh, for, for, for me, it's uh, if you if, uh, imagine clear water, like a flat lake of water, and then imagine an, an, a, a structure sitting on top of the surface of that water, but the structure itself is invisible. All you can see is the imprint it makes in the water. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what shame does. Shame leaves an indentation on the surface of the soul, mm-hmm. much much differently than guilt does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a much uh, deeper wound. It's a harder thing to fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and some people um, may have shame and guilt. Oh yes, of course you can have both. Yes, yes, yeah, and that, and that's and and I I'm simplifying that. You know by just targeting guilt and shame as being the two dividing things. But you can write those two words on a blank piece of paper and still come down with a bunch of other negative terms that come off of those. It's kind of like the existential idea that there's only two feelings in the universe, and that's love and fear. Mm-hmm. And then you can take fear and write down all the negative and love and write down all the positive. So I'm, I'm trying to simplify it and say guilt and shame because they tend to be the collective uh, problem. Yeah. The collective problem is tied to those two things. The compensation for guilt has always been religion. The compensation for shame we're finding out today is narcissism. Mm-hmm. And, and it is epidemic in the culture. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we can see the extension of that just by uh, our existing president. Uh, you know, he is, uh, he's just a reflection of a culture that is ed up with narcissism. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was also thinking today in um, kind of uh, reflecting on on the show's topic tonight about spirituality, that at least in our society, um, and especially I think even more so after the movie and the book The Secret came out and kind of, you know, uh, gave people this idea of uh, kind of putting our orders into... uh, um, yeah, to, to God, to source, uh, you know, brand new car, a million dollars, whatever. Uh, yeah. I, Manifestation board. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love yeah. I, I, I love the, you know, make a board in your kitchen and put all your manifestations yeah. on the board and put your intentions out into the universe. Yeah. This is not much on like, you know, that's the rub of the lamp and the genie pops out. And, yeah. And, which, which, you know, I mean, to each their own, but. Well, well, you know what I always said? I mean, that was a game we used to play as children. I remember that game. And, and uh, what would you do if you had three wishes? Right. You remember that game? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I always loved the kid that said, wish for a million more wishes. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, yeah, that's what I would do. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't say, well, just got three. You know, I mean, yeah, I would, right. I would, so, uh, uh, but that's, but you can see the problem with that. I mean, it's, uh, if, if it was that simple, you know, it, it, I would be a trillionaire if it was that simple to just literally say, do ABC and you'll arrive in some glorious place. 
Uh, yes, of course, it makes sense uh, to have a plan, to have a strategy, to have a goal. These things are important. I mean, we, we, we need to put um, uh, a lure out in front of us as we do our lives. And this is part of this is part of what we do in the culture. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. We should have goals. We should have things we're trying to achieve and to obtain and acquire as long as we don't lose ourselves along the way. Mm-hmm. And, this is, and this is the dilemma you see is, is that it, it isn't wrong uh, to want and desire things and to, and to be the best version of yourself possible and to achieve success in whatever direction that you go. Just realize there's a price to be paid for that. And the price that, that is to be paid is the lost self. Yeah. Spiritual people understand that uh, because they've they've been kind of battling with it their whole lives. Spiritual people, I think, naturally feel something is off and they want to know what that is, you know. And um, yeah, so. Well, yeah, because um, what's interesting is you said, you know, um, losing ourselves along the way. Well, um Unfortunately, I think a lot of our a lot of us lose ourselves very early, and so we're building a life that's not based on um, what's authentic and true. It's not soul based, and so we're building our life. Um, a lot of us already um, we lost ourselves at a young age, so mm-hmm. we don't really. Well, you know what, Irma? It's you. Know- to me, I'm, so it's so it's not complicated for the listeners. It's the difference between a job and a career. Mm-hmm. You know, a job kind of pays the bills. Mm-hmm. You know, a job is a is a is a survival move. Some of us got into jobs and never found careers. Right. And our jobs became our careers. I, I read somewhere not too long ago that seventy percent of the people in the country hate their jobs. Mm-hmm. Very very mm-hmm. few people are in vocations that they love and that fuels their passion and that, and that gives them a sense of purpose and accomplishment. And so, but, but just take that idea of job versus career and then throw in there spirituality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so egos have jobs. Well, yeah. Spiritual yeah. have careers. Well, yeah. yeah. So what's but the it, career? What, yeah. what do you think the career of a spiritual person would be? And I don't mean vocation. If you had to come up with a term that describes spiritual people, what do you think it would be? What should be the term? I'm putting you on the spot, but hmm. I'm going to help you. It's seeker. Oh, seekers. Yeah. 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 Spiritual people are inherently asking why. Yes. Very true. Very spiritual true. people are inherently wanting to know the answers to the big questions. Mm-hmm. about what it means to be a human being. Mm-hmm. And so look at the difference between job and career, just on that idea. If I decide to make spirituality my path or a psycho-spiritual path, then it can't just be a job. It has to be a career. You mm-hmm. see what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think spiritual people by nature um, inherently are, are seekers. Yeah. You know, I can speak from my own personal circumstance. Uh, you know, I was nine years old when I was in the orphanage and I and I was had already been through, you know, probably about nine years of hell by normal standards. And I remember having the thought there had to be a larger truth than the one I was born into. Mm-hmm. I, you know, at the time, I didn't know where that was coming from. Mm-hmm. And that if there was a God, he had a sick sense of humor. I had no idea where that was coming from either. 
And uh, I know now that it was that invisible something else. It was the soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a larger truth than the one you were born into. And that this is just where you're from. It isn't who you are. Yeah. And now it's even changed to this is just where you're from. This is not what you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big deal to get because so many of us think that we are our stories and we're being told by lots of teachers to abandon our stories, that we are so much more than our stories before we even get our story in context. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it would be almost like trying to make a sequel of a movie without having the first movie understood. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It would be. You can't, you can't transcend your story and write a whole nother story until the first one is in context. Mm-hmm. And and again, this is what's being sold to a lot of people that you're so much more than your stories mm-hmm. uh, and so much more than where you're from. I wouldn't change a single detail of my life story. Not yeah. a single. Yeah. 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 I was also thinking today that um, the difference between uh, a spiritual person and a religious person. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not. um I have no judgment or anything to say about anybody's religion at all. Um, but I was thinking the the difference between a spiritual person and a religious person is a spiritual person has a sense that um, they're going to be able to somehow find a way to have a little uh, bit of heaven right here on earth. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, they're not waiting um, for it to come after, after uh, life in death. Right, right. So they're they're yeah they're seeking a little bit of heaven right here right now, and yeah. they, they yeah. sense and know that they they will reach that. Well, what I've experienced in in the religious community because again, all of my patients were coming from every every faith on the planet at some time or another, and um, that it 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 occurred to me that. The only problem with a religious um, upbringing, a religious mindset, is that um, that you need to move from from religion or dogma or doctrine into um, kind of a graduation mm-hmm. into a spiritual kind of understanding. And so the way I break it down is, you know, is the difference between arithmetic and math. I mean, you you start out in religion and we we all need to add subtract multiply and divide we can run a business with those skills right uh but we but we have higher math we have algebra and plane geometry and calculus and physics uh so does that make the fundamentals better than the math you see Mm -hmm. Uh, or is one not an extension of the other and is one not a higher level of um of consciousness a higher level uh, of um of discovery. And so if we stayed in math, and this is where I think religion kind of gets stuck and which is why people are, you know, leave congregations and leave the church is they're not letting them graduate into math, mm-hmm. which I think is the spiritual dimension that, that it is available, but a lot of religious leaders don't know how to take people there. And, and this is, again, was my challenge as a psychologist is it because I didn't want to tread on anybody's belief system but I did have to understand their relationship to this invisible something else uh, that they were praying to, this invisible something else that they had faith and belief in, 
but felt abandoned by mm -hmm. in their lowest possible moment. I mean, I had to be able to talk about that. Yeah. And so it was quite challenging, and uh, but also quite educational for me. And uh, because it, as far as I'm concerned, it solidified and validated that this intelligence that, that is inside of us, that is tied to the soul, it is a direct connection to whatever you consider God to be. Mm -hmm. And so the problem is, is that if we leave it out, out with God, it's so it's too big. If we narrow it down to your individual soul mm -hmm. and that relationship with your soul, it it automatically improves and enriches your relationship with God, whatever your idea of that is. Mm -hmm. It's again, I I, I want to say it's not an opposition to it, right? Unless you're fundamental, and this is, and by that I mean you have a black and white approach to this and there is no discussion beyond that black and white idea, then, then that's where you are. Then you're not going to respond to that. And that's mm -hmm. part of, and that's part of the problem in the culture is, is that the fundamental view, um, comes with a lot of problems. Yeah. You can look around the world and see that mm -hmm. you know, fundamental views of any kind, yeah. a black and white view of any kind is rigid. It's too rigid. Yeah. In a, yeah. In a, in a world that is mostly gray, <laughs> right? And, and you, can't, you can't just take a black and white approach. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. When I was talking about the, the movie, the secret, I, I think where I was going with that is um, I was thinking about this today uh, when I was out driving and in a lot of traffic and all the cars and big buildings and crowds of people and, and all of that. And, and kind of just looking at the society I live in and kind of the explosion of um, uh, the material, like, uh, and, and what we value and how much we seem to need. And it seems like there's never enough to fill us up. And uh, I, I think, well, I know for me, a big part of living a spiritual life are, um, comes with a, a simplicity of, of really, um, I don't need a whole lot of stuff in order to feel a sense of uh, contentment and fulfillment. And uh, yeah, the spiritual the word, the word in the culture that, that really captures that is drama. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, very true, very true. That, yeah. that, that you, you have the capacity as a human being to be in a drama-free life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, although the collective culture never seems to be drama free. Mm -hmm. And this is the point. You cannot take the drama out of the collective culture. There's all, and you can pick up a paper every day and flip on the news every day and see drama in the world. Yeah. The drama you have any control over is the, the, that which is going on inside you and that which is in the circumference of your world, whatever it may be. And, uh, and remember, drama has actors and actresses. Drama, yeah. drama has a good guy and a bad guy. Drama has a winner and a loser. Drama, drama, drama. And so the simplicity that you're talking about to me is really um, is a world with as little drama as possible. And, and, and we know this. I mean, for those of us that, are, that have got some age on us, I mean, what, what do we... What do we do when we get older if it isn't just let go of stuff? I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, sp spring cleaning used to be boxing up a couple pairs of shoes and a couple shirts and taking them down to the local Goodwill. 
spring cleaning <laughs> when you get to be where we are is you emptied the entire house. You know, <laughs> you know what do I really need? You know, and yeah. I think, and, and I think that's yeah. what. That's what I think that's what happens with age and maturity that you you spend your whole life trying to meet all these needs yeah. only to get to a place where, you know, I don't really need all that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think what drove that home for me one time is and I might have told you the stories. I had a friend who was uh, uh, had an aunt that was passing away and she was in a nursing home and um, and she really wasn't cognizant of the world around her. I don't know whether she had Alzheimer's or dementia, or whatever, but she was still alive and she was right there in the room is we were pilfering through her stuff and because he was going to, you know, give it away to Goodwill or put it in yard sales. And it was, you know, furniture and all these kind of knickknacks and belongings. And I just felt really uncomfortable gone through the shoe boxes that were her life. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember coming home and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to wait until I lose my mind or until I die. For someone to go through my shoe boxes, that is my life. I came home okay. with a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. just because of that experience. Yeah. Uh, but but we tend the ego tends to hoard and collect and hold on to these things because the ego thinks that it needs it, mm-hmm. saving it for a rainy day, whatever it may. Be. Yeah. But I think yeah. I think the more mature we become and the and the deeper approach we take to this existence, we find out that that we don't need as much as we thought. And, uh, and and we are going to simplify our lives as much as possible. Uh, mm-hmm. And and in that simplification uh, really is like taking a straight jacket off of the soul and the soul. Yes. The soul. <laughs> yeah. 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 For, yeah. So that's what I mean, to, to me, when I first started talking about enlightenment with people, uh, I saw the word encumbered alongside the word enlightenment. And I thought, well, because we sell enlightenment in the culture is some um, uh, some wisdom, some intellectual, philosophical, spiritual, divine thing that comes through. And I said, what if it's just the absence of weight? Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing is hindering us anymore. And that really is what happens. The more the soul is allowed to come through and be what it was intended to be. And the more you let go of ego, the lighter you are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that lightness uh, comes with grace. That lightness comes with a movement in the world that is much easier. Yeah. And, um, and, and you're, you're not going through your life experience uh, trying to find your way in the dark, which is what the ego is doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're you're going through your life feeling your way through in the light, so to speak, mm-hmm. fully aware of everything that's around you and everything that that you're being exposed to. So that which is the which is the benefit of presence, right? I mean, you know, we, you know, people, you know, ask all the time, you know, what's the benefit of this work that I do? And I said it over and over again: the blues are blue and the greens are greener. I mean, that you know, life is just richer when you look through, when you look at life through the lens of the soul and the spirit of who you are. Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible. 
While problems manifest psychospiritually, on a most essential level, there exists an energy component that provides the instructions for these fields to enter awareness. And the soul's intent is here to help you learn what these instructions are. Join us each week to learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom, and how in an instant learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice.